When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Utabia. Stephen Chicken joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Rubbish. Got a bad back. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton lost everything. No, so... we drew it. Brighton, Brighton drew in a game we should have won. Of course you did. a team who have one point all season and were down to ten men. My back's bad and I had to have a COVID test over the weekend, but thankfully we're all negative. So, so, you're, all, so you're all swabbed up, basically. Apart from that, I'm absolutely topping my game. Well, I'm sure it cheered you up to see Huddersfield Town win at the weekend, though, no? Yeah, <laughs> they... they I, I, do you know, I was really, I, I take a f- far more joy from Town winning this game than they have in other games where they've dominated, because what was interesting to me about this game, and we'll get into the specifics, but this is the exact game that Huddersfield Town don't win. Mm. You know, they, they basically, they were outperformed in like every statistical area, really, but it was just lovely to see a game where all the big moments went for them, and... Uh, it was, I think, at, at most points in the last two and a half years, they lose this game 2-3-4-0. And for them to actually come out of it with the three points and a 2-0 win, I thought was absolutely great, to be honest. It's something that we, we looked at when we were on WhatsApp, because Dan Story shared, if you go on Dan Daniel Story's Twitter feed, he shared, for those of you who are interested in this kind of thing, a big document of everywhere he gets his stats from, basically. And there was one that, that I wasn't aware of, which is really handy, which gives you the the league table with the results against each of the teams and it's really easy you can just look at it mm. and go oh and and when we were looking at it on sort of Thursday Friday it was like oh they've beaten all the teams below them <laughs> except for one and yeah. they've lost to all the teams above them apart from from Swansea or got a draw so <laughs> to to then go and, and play the team that were up in third and let's be honest, those of you who watched the club's preview show on YouTube will know even the, the, the guy who was covering Watford came into that going, they're not great this season, Watford. They've been grinding out results. They've they've been They've been dreadful to watch. Yeah. They've been absolutely awful. They've I I've had to do a couple of Watford games this year and I'm choosing my words properly there. I have had to do them. <laughs> they've they've not it's like they decided this season that they had to go up at all costs and all costs meant sacrificing any sort of fun, creativity. It's just all about trying not to lose. And this this result for Watford has actually been coming for a while. Their position has been a little bit false because there's been a lot of games like the Birmingham game and a couple of others that really they could have had no complaints if they'd have come out of it with a with a 2-0 defeat like they did on Saturday. But I think we're in danger of not giving Town enough yes. credit really in that I think they the big moments went for them and I think the difference was in this game is they went 1-0 up Steve when Town have now got the confidence of a couple of home victories where they've they've been 2-0 up at half time and not cruising but the job has been sort of 75% done and you just felt when they went 1-0 up that there was a bit of confidence running through the side that you know okay Watford let's see what you've got you know you've you've not been great this season you've not been great creatively you've not been bombing on you've not been blowing teams away so you know what have you got and then they get they get a farcical second um, and that's it. You know, Town are then quite comfortable to say, all right, well, do you know what? We're going to sit back a bit. We're going to let you have possession. Let's see if you can break us down, and they couldn't. Yeah, I, and I think that's bang on. I, I messaged you when it was 1-0 saying, Town are either going to get another, or they're going to end up losing 2-1 here. Um, yeah. Because Watford had... This was a rare game in that Town actually had came out of it with having had less possession than the opposition. I think that's one of the only times we've seen that this season. Uh, I I haven't gone back and looked if it's the only time, but I would imagine it's there's only been. I I think it I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. You know, and and 
a lot less passes, a lot less touches. You know, Watford has 657 touches to, to Town's 532, which is, is a huge difference, really. Um, but it's it's the scoreboard that counts, and yes. this is the thing that so many times Town would have lost this game. So many times they would have lost it. And to come out sort of mentally after the week they've had as well with the Bournemouth game, which I think was a shock to the system for everybody involved, including the management team, and I'll leave it at that. And then a very, very difficult game at Coventry that really they had to win and they didn't. And they were up against a team who just basically just sat back and were tight and controlled and town couldn't break them down it was important you know I texted you in the week and said it was important that they got something from this game even if it was just a performance I don't think they necessarily got the performance they would have wanted but it doesn't matter because they got the three points and that's a far bigger far bigger mental boost going into Christmas isn't it yeah big time I I thought that it was it was nice to see town actually force the kind of error out of the opposition that that has often been the other way around this season for the first goal Isaac and Ben's a really nice bit of pressing on on Ben Foster and he he for a goalkeeper of his experience uh he'll be really disappointed with uh, with the way he panicked there I yeah <laughs> I know I was I was I had to do the game from home on Saturday, so I I had the pleasure of Matt Glennon and Oggy's commentary, um, which I thought was brilliant. And they were uh, Matt Glennon was sort of com- very very effusive on on and Benza's pressing for that goal. And while I think he did really well to chase the ball down, but Ben Foster just kicked it against his shins. Yeah. It was extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 like when I say closed him down, they were still like sort of two feet behind him. It's not like and Benz are absolutely charged into him at a million miles an hour, and he literally just passed it into his shins. I thought it was a, I thought it was an extraordinary error, to be honest with you. That's a better finish than I think a lot of people gave it credit for. Yeah. That's that's not a tap in. That's not a tap in from Campbell. He he does well there. He does well there, and it's it was a great start, wasn't it? Yeah, and really nice to see Fraser Campbell get on the score sheet after I, I wrote a piece on Saturday morning saying, well, Friday night went out Saturday morning saying that they need him to do his best Steve Mounier impression and what I mean by that is this time last year when Carl and Grant was still in the side but he was out of form he was in his driest spell at, at town his, his whole spell at his whole 18 months at town that was his sort of his big dry spell was was December into January last year uh, he only scored one goal in 10 and that was exactly when Steve Mounier stepped up and suddenly scored nine in 14 uh, which I think was his best spell <laughs> Uh, in his town career and my point was and I'm not expecting Campbell to get 9 in 14 don't get me wrong but with Josh Caroma out injured your top scorer your most clinical finisher and I've advocated on this podcast for as big a fan as a Campbell uh, a, a big a, as big a fan of Campbell as I am there's a lot of two letter words in there there <laughs> very difficult to say um I was saying, well, I think with Karoma injured, you need to get Danny Ward in the side because you need that that you need to emphasise your clinical finisher and get your goals through them instead. And now, obviously, Danny Ward's injured instead. So, uh, as well, I should say. So, going into January now, they need to get the goals from somewhere, and and you look at. I mean, Isaac and Benzer is has been a fantastic player this season, but his his goals have have come from from free kicks. Um, he's he's not a player who's scored too many from open play for Town yet. So you look at that team and you think, well, where are the regular goals going to come from? And I think the most sensible answer is, well, you need Fraser Campbell to be a bit less sel- a, bit, a bit more selfish. You need him to be go back to being the poacher that he was earlier in his career, mm-hmm. playing on the shoulder. And I, I know that he's he's maybe not got the pace that he had when he was ten years younger, but he has been such an unselfish player for so long for Town. Last season he was very much the first defender um, and the, the stat I dug out was that Town conceded fewer goals when Campbell was on the pitch than, than any other player and this season he's been sort of the unselfish player in attack making runs making dummy runs making space for others no player no Town have scored more goals with Campbell on the pitch than than any other player uh, this season as well so as in in a minutes per goal uh, perspective as well that that's taken into account that he's, that he's played a lot of the games and I think you need him now to to step up his scoring rate and to be fair to him 
he's already got one more goal than he had in the whole of last season and we're not even at Christmas yet. Yeah, and I think his his he just looks a lot sharper, doesn't he? He looks mm. he looks a lot more on his toes and he, he just I mean in a, in a, the simple truth of it is he just tends to play facing goal an awful lot more than he has um you know last season. And that that sort of goal, I remember there was a goal that Town scored under Cowley where Campbell pressed and I think it was ended up laying it off to Grant possibly for a tap in last season I can't remember who it was against anyway but some, somebody will know and no doubt tell me um, and I thought it was sort of reminiscent of that but I, I think that although they hadn't shown an awful lot I think they were worth that lead to be honest with you mm. because it, they'd done a bit of a containing job on, on Watford and then they get the break with a second goal which was uh, extraordinary <laughs> to be honest <laughs> crap night is football goal as, as- uh, one of our friends described it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Kapuri is a really good player. <laughs> really, had, really good player. He had an awful and, game. He, he did that thing where after he scored the own goal, he was so desperate to, to make up for it. He was just taking shots from like 35 yards. <laughs> he ended up getting taken Yeah, I, I felt like, I must admit, I ca- and again, I'm not taking any credit off town here. I thought they were really, really good and we'll, we'll, we will talk about that. But I, I don't know. I wasn't surprised to see the Watford manager get sacked because it felt like the sort of performance that does get a manager sacked and it felt like there was one or two players who were were I wouldn't say they were playing to get him sacked or anything like that but you could just see that they just weren't you town were up for it in a way that Watford just couldn't seem to be to get themselves up to and yeah the town took full advantage of the situation and the second half I actually thought was a really good defensive display mm. you know really disciplined there was a one or two really good blocks couple of sort of put your body on the line type challenges and it was good to see town do that it was good to see town I wouldn't say they were clinging on at any point I think they looked pretty comfortable throughout didn't they relatively yeah I mean that they they needed a, a number of really really good saves and, and stops from Ryan Schofield who was my man of the match he was he was he was one of several players on an eight until late on and then he made that that save I think it was from Andre Gray late on which he he didn't really have much right to make and and it wasn't the first save that he'd made where it was like if he hadn't said that no one would be saying oh that's an error or blaming him at all and those are the kinds of saves that that, that you think okay he's had an absolute blinder there but again it's it's not like it, I think it would be different if we were sitting here and Watford had, had hit the bar three times and you know put a sitter over the bar like British Sambalonga did and and all of these things but when it's the goalkeeper has had a blinder and the defense has done a good job and and put in those blocks and shown that that sort of resilience and that that grit it's it's hard to criticize them for that like I think saying I think sometimes saying well they would have yeah but they would have conceded if the goalkeeper didn't have a blinder it's like it's a bit like saying yeah but they they wouldn't have won that game if the striker hadn't scored a hat trick it's uh yeah it's I, I that's think... that's his literal job, isn't it? Yeah. To stop the ball going in the in the net. So you, you turn around and say, oh yeah, but you know if he hadn't played as well, well yeah, that is did. what he's yeah. that's what he's there to do. I mean, like I hate to talk about them, but I watched the Man United Leeds game yesterday, and I thought the Leeds keeper didn't have a great game at all. You know, and that's that's the difference. Leeds United conceded six. Huddersfield Town conceded none. But I also thought it's it's worth pointing out that I th- I think the save from Gray was good, but I think it was... I, I, I'm not sure I agree. I'd have been disappointed if he hadn't because he had plenty of time to get out there and close him down and make himself big. I thought he did really well. But I think it's the Tim Howard at the World Cup thing. I don't think any of the saves he made were particularly extraordinary or outstanding, but it's just the sheer consistency. It's yeah. the, you know, you will not pass. And on another day with another keeper, you, you may not have got that. You know, something may have slipped or wriggled through you just have no idea and I think the thing about Schofield is I still think there's lots of obvious areas of his game that he needs to work on but it's that that little bit of a tightrope with a young goalkeeper because there are those areas of his game such as command of his box and a bit of distribution and a little bit of organisation etc only come from playing <laughs> so if you when you have a really good promising young goalkeeper you need to play them and 
you need to accept that you're going to get a game like Saturday where you come across, you comes off and you think, well, you know, fairly faultless in, in front of goal. But at some point, he's also going to have the opposite game where, you know, the things are going to go wrong a little bit and he's probably going to end up costing goal. But that's all part of the process with a young goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, it's almost now we knew that coming into this season that the 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 likelihood was that at a certain point Ben Hamer would would be phased out of the team and Ryan Schofield would come in and I think Ben Hamer's done really well we 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 talked him up a lot on this podcast and I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations I don't think there's been too off the top of my head I can't think of of any major blunders on on his part um and and certainly he's had games where he's he's had that similar sort of you shall not pass um performance but at the same time i do think i do wonder if there's ever going to be a better time for ryan schofield to come into the team than right now because he's had that that sort of half a dozen performances or so for huddersfield town across the two seasons and we with with a young keeper or with any young player you're looking to see if they fit in at that level and if they're ready for more starts and i think the fact that he's not made those those major blunders yet and and that he's now supplemented that with this brilliant performance you have to say well I think he's ready and if he's ready and he's going to be the long-term number one and town are very comfortably in mid-table at this point why not give him a go what what do you think yeah I couldn't agree more really and I think that one of the things you have to understand is there's a reason keepers play until they're you know, touching 40 and it's not just because they don't do the the amount of physical work that others do it's it's because there's a lot of aspects of that goalkeeping role that really they only sort of come into their own when they've they've had three years in a side four years in a side and you're exactly right when you look at the season that town are primed to have which is to finish relatively safe in mid-table you know we've no idea if they're going to finish on the higher side of mid-table or the lower side of mid-table but it's it's looking very very much like it's a mid-table season that's the time to bring the goalkeeper in it's not that there's nothing on it or anything like that you know town want to win every game available but if you can if you can sort of you know you're going to be relatively safe throughout the season then I think the the best way to do it is is just give him games just let him play and if he makes a mistake let him make a mistake because he will learn from that yeah I can hear Ben Hamer is knocking on your door there Dave yeah apologies the, <laughs> the neighbour next door is doing his kitchen and it's it does sound like it's coming through the wall a little bit <laughs> yeah we'll push through because otherwise we're going to be sitting here all day waiting for the pauses um but yeah i agree and and the other one is is ramani edmunds green of course he's playing in front of him who just had another perfectly solid game um i think it's often a good sign when you're watching a game and, and giving out your player ratings and and you you've not really noticed your center half one way or the other it, it shows yeah. that, that it tends to mean that they've, they've just done their job efficiently and well that's i mean what i've said all along is he he just when you've got a when you've got a defender and a young defender who just understands defending naturally so he doesn't have to work massively hard on positioning and and body shape etc you're going to get these performances where they're just completely i mean it's neat and tidy is the is the phrase isn't it just very very neat and tidy you know no massive high points no massive low points just a game where you just set about your job and for all Watford's difficulties this season and how far they found it to attack, you know, Saar is, is an excellent player who Liverpool were desperate to sign before the start of the season. Gray is a forward with, with Premier League experience and who I have personally seen be absolutely brilliant. I watched him play uh, Burnley, I think, I can't remember if it was last season or the season before, and absolutely tear them apart. Talented front line and, uh, I, you know, I thought he did again... <sighs> It, it's difficult because I am such a massive fan and you try to sort of stay unbiased, but I thought he was just really, really good again. But I think it's also worth mentioning Saru, who I think had a far better game than he has had recently, far more balanced game. Um, he's the defender who, it appears, is either going to be a 9 out of 10 or a 3 out of 10 with very little in between and I thought he was really, really good on Saturday and long may that continue. We, he just needs to find that consistency. Yeah, I, it was one of the things that I most enjoyed against Coventry, which is a game that we're not going to go through, uh, I don't think, just because it was, it was well, it was a nil-nil. There wasn't a huge amount to say and, and also it was nearly a week ago now, so it's old news at this point, but 
the, the there was a moment early on against Coventry, just about ten minutes in, where he he was past the ball and there was an attacker who was not even that close to him, but he was closing him down and he just thought, no, I'm not, I'm not having this, and he just put it out for a throw and it was like, good on you, Navi. Like I I think that that. A, after the Bournemouth game where he had such a nightmare it was good to see that he wasn't trying to be sort of over elaborate no no matter what that he was willing to to go do you know what this is I'm just gonna I'm just gonna punt this out because you do need to do that sometimes and you know this isn't a I'm, I'm cautious about trying not to sound all proper football man and saying you should never pass it at the back because you know I think there's there's a lot of merit to that approach but there are definitely times when uh when you just need to to, to punt it out so yeah, I mean, not that they were doing that against Watford, but they were. I thought that that they they stood up as as we've said to to what Watford threw at them really well, and they, to be fair to them, they did have plenty of shots in the second half, despite the fact they were sort of on the back foot and the pressure was all one way. They were looking to get the counter. They were looking to to push and get the third goal, which is. I know a big criticism you've had, Dave, is 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 that inability to kill off games. Yeah, I I think. It was a different game on Saturday because I think Watford were they 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 were spent you know they were two 0 down and you could see that mentally they were they were done a little bit I think but I was I I've been frustrated you know the Middlesbrough the Sheffield Wednesday game etc when they've been they've not been able to put the full ninety minutes together they they've been really really good for spells um, and they've just not managed to sort of really hammer home that that authority because I think mentally if they could do that in one game I think. Think it would help the creativity if you can go out there and really hammer someone then in the next few games you're going to find that your writings and and Pritchards etc are going to be willing to take a few more risks and to play a few more lower percentage balls and that's what town desperately need desperately need the the, the freedom really to take those risks and if it doesn't work just to try it again when the opportunity arises instead of feeling like every single thing has to count every single thing is vital so it would be nice to see town turn somebody over um at this point but i i think this victory does a lot for them in another mental sense because it shows them that there is two ways to win a game and they they did it the other way yeah and i think when you look at the the recent results it's been four clean sheets in five and the the Bournemouth game now sort of does stand out as the anomaly in that run, and I think that the obviously the the, the team selection there was a big factor. It wasn't the whole story as we talked about last week, but you know that they've had three wins and a draw, not conceded a goal. They've had a couple of really resilient performances. Because what I would say about the Coventry game is I know that a lot of people found it to be a, a boring draw, an absolute sort of garbage game, and I, I think you would be one of them, Dave. Um, but to me, I, I kind of enjoyed in a weird way just being and maybe it was being in the ground made a difference but because it, I thought it was two it was a game with two very hard working sides that cancelled each other out it wasn't a nil nil where just like neither side was bothered it was it was a real sort of blood and guts nil nil which is why Carlos Gorebrand was so delighted with it and I think that sort of set the table for for the Watford game uh, which again is exactly why he was so uh, pleased with that and I think we're seeing that that as I say that that Bournemouth game was in this run at least the anomaly and that town have actually found a bit of a bit of resilience and a bit of an ability to to see games out which after earlier in the season where they were losing games after going ahead as regularly as they were is something they they had to find yeah i i think it also comes from familiarity with the, what the manager wants you to do as well um i always when <sighs> I'm quite looking forward to town fans being allowed in the ground just so they can sort of see what Corbyn's like on the touchline and how involved he gets and his his mannerisms because it just doesn't come across on you know on I follow um, the sort of personality <laughs> really that we see regularly and he is a personality manager um, he he's got a he wants to enact a certain style on his team and it's follow it at all costs. Um, um, and I, I think I think he'll be very very pleased 
to get that win, but I think he'll have been feeling the pressure going into it because the Bournemouth game was a massive misstep. There's no, we can't dress it up, Stephen. I mean, we, we went over the game and we said how poor it was, but he picked the wrong side and he, he picked a side not necessarily to win the game because I don't think anybody can make that argument, but he picked a side that he thought might end up losing maybe 2-0, not getting thumped and played off the park to the degree that they did. He'll have felt a lot of pressure after that commentary game because you can't sort of make six changes and then not win the following game, really. It, it's, it just brings a whole heap of pressure and winning that game on Saturday was absolutely vital because, let's be honest, Steve, if Town had lost that game, we'd be having a very, very different podcast at the moment. Um, oh, yeah. Because we, we would have to have said that was a really, really poor week. The fact they've won that game, but also the nature of the win as well, um, as I said, doing it a, a slightly different way, um, I think will have, will have brought him an immense amount of joy. He even had a little banter with you after the game, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. I've, I've been meaning to do the, the Cream Chinos question for a while um, because, you know, it was I think it was Terrier Spirit uh, wrote a, a nice piece about it and, and went through the stats of, of the win ratio with and without the Chinos and obviously the fans have picked up on it on social media and Harry Toffolo after the game uh, within a, about 20 minutes of the final whistle tweeted, trust the Chinos. So that gave me my opportunity and yeah, he said, uh, Carlos said he, he wishes he, he did have the power to, to uh, change games just with what he wore. But uh, but it all comes down to the players. But um, no, he's uh, he's very straight with the media. Generally speaking, um, I think that a few weeks ago I was trying to find um, a picture of him smiling, and and <laughs> one does not exist. Um, it's very very difficult to, to find one. But I believe that from from speaking to people at the club, he is a bit of a as you say, he is a bit of a personality manager. He he. The fans, the 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 players, I should say, really respond to him apparently, and his his one to one individual management. Apparently, the the players are, are bang into it. And to be fair, I think I th- I don't think that is. Ju- I mean, you, obviously, every every club is always going to sort of try and feed that out to the media that line, um, regardless who the manager is. But I think that you can see it in the players, and we talked about it earlier this season as well. Just how enthusiastic likes of Fraser Campbell, Harry Toffolo, Lewis O'Brien, everyone you speak to um, at the club is is yeah sort of there's, there's stuff there's stuff that just doesn't come across on a screen that's that's the problem and he is very straight with the media but there's nothing wrong with that no. i mean it makes our life a little bit harder <laughs> let's be honest um but and danny cowley was completely the other way in that he would often say too much really um but yeah it's it's when town fans are in the ground and they can see how he how he sort of patrols his technical area and how he gets his little cabala coaches around him pretty much i mean often there's sort of four of them stood there in a line watching the game all with arms folded um and i i think that i think he'll he'll be very very pleased to get that win but the sort of the games keep coming and I know it gets a little bit easier but I I think what he's desperate for is just more time on the training ground and he will get that in the new year but with the caveat that obviously the weather's not great the games are still coming fairly thick and fast the squad is still a little bit thin so you've got to manage injuries and intensity etc yeah it's it's a difficult situation but he's doing probably I think we would have to agree he's, he's doing the absolute best job he, he could really at the moment yeah I, I think that, that you, we've still seen we, we've talked about this off mic as well you've still seen people on on social media saying oh well there's a lack of ambition if they'd invest if the five points off the playoffs if they'd have invested in the summer we'd be in the playoffs now it's like well yeah, but before the season started, <laughs> you were all saying that the, the squad's crap and they're going to get relegated. Well, they're definitely so, going to go down. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't have it both ways. And I think that that we have you know we've we've had criticisms, we've had doubts. I think you and I were both quite uh, vocal about the fact that that it was a massive massive gamble to 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 get rid of the Cowleys and, and bring Carlos Corbran in. Um, and you and I were both quite outspoken about the fact that the squad at the start of the season looked weak. You know, it wasn't. We're not having a go at the fans for for saying the squad was didn't look good because, to be honest, you and I both sat here and thought this this really doesn't look good. We we were worried coming into this season, but you know, you look at who we've been talking about over the last 
sort of few weeks and it's been Ryan Schofield who's come through from the academy it's been Romani Edwin Screen who's come through from from sort of the new academy setup um it's been Isaac and Benza who looks like a, a new man it's been Josh Caroma who again now now that he sort of had hit that that run of form and and was the top scorer it's like well obviously he's going to play every week but you, you I think it's easy to forget that at the start of the season no one was like oh this is going to be Josh Caroma's year you know he'd, he'd had a fairly yeah. unimp- he'd had a fairly unimpressive loan at Rotherham United in the second half of last season um mm. so they have he has done what what the club hoped and said he would do which is get more out of the players that, that were already there and to be fair the signings that they've made Tsar's been up and down but Aitin has been actually a bit underwhelming the last couple of games but generally mm. has been good Pippa has been excellent um, it's uh, there's there's not too many big uh, it's it's hard to look at that team and say well they're not done what what they said they were going to do yeah and I, I would completely agree with that but I think I, I mentioned it on the Bournemouth thing when when I, I say he's, he's doing a you, the sort of it, you couldn't ask for more from him at the moment. I think there are still areas to be improved on. There are yes. still things I would change. There are still decisions he's made that I wouldn't make, and I don't think he would in hindsight. But it's the thing we I touched on briefly with the Bournemouth thing. The thing you have to understand with Corbyn is that he's only 21 games into his management career here as well. Um, he's learning on the job. I don't think he would pick. Put it well. Put it this way. I don't think he'll make six changes in a game and effectively write write it off almost. Uh, before the season's out these are all learning moments and he's a manager who takes obviously takes a lot of pride in what he does um, and he's very passionate about what he does but there are going to be bumps on the road because there there has to be nobody gets everything right first time round do they um, so it could there will be moments where the wheels are going to come off I've, I've said it before and they have got beaten by Bournemouth badly I, I suspect there might be another couple of quite bad losses before the end of the season. Um, I don't know if they'll be quite as bad as the Bournemouth game, but I suspect Town will lose at least two more games three by three or four. But that's just the nature of what they're trying to do and how they stick to the plan effectively. You know, and if Plan A, it, it's cliche, but if Plan A doesn't work, then you do Plan A better. Um, but I, I think going into January, it's worth having a little discussion about where Town are right now and what they do in this transfer window because we've already had a player through the door haven't we yeah Danny Grant was announced shortly after the game seven o'clock announcement on Saturday um he's coming in from Bohemians I think it's as we talked about last week important to note that it is a big step up from the League of Ireland it's it's probably going to take him time to get fully up to speed just like it did with Josh Caroma um and he's not going to come in and score 15 goals um straight off the bat but um it's still positive I think to have that other option because even before Josh Caroma's injury we were sitting here saying they need probably one preferably two wingers in January and that was before the injury um, um, and and unfortunately, Danny Ward has has missed more games, more starts than he's than he's had this year um, by by a considerable margin. And so I think having that that the the fact that Grant can play across the front line as well is uh, is a bonus. By the way, there's a forfeit for anyone who who accidentally writes or says Carl and Grant. That's going to happen at some point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's. Uh, I think it's it's positive news. Rolando Aaron's. I think they're they're still interested. It's uh, it's just a matter of whether um, Newcastle is still happy to to get that deal done. I think at this stage um, that they're not playing him, so you you would think that they'd be quite happy for him to leave. But it's whether there's um, you know whether they're still happy with the finances. You would hope they would be because they agreed to that deal in October. You would think that two months later things wouldn't have changed too much. But but we'll mm-hmm. see how that pans out. But I believe they are still interested in him. Um, but we we talked about this a bit last week, but I think the fact that the fixtures do um, slacken off a little bit after the turn of the new year probably probably takes the sting out of some of the other areas that you would look at and say they're a bit light there. I, I think probably they could still do with a centre back, but I think there's also an argument that they could probably stick it through to the end of January um, and and wait to get Richard Stearman back. Um, and and as I mentioned, you would you would argue if they got a centre back, then it's slightly counter productive because it's going to block 
Romari Edmonds Green's progress further and I think yeah it's cliche me praising Romari Edmonds Green but I don't think there's any town fan out there who doesn't think Romari Edmonds Green is a project that doesn't want working on <laughs> you know if th- there's a world where you get you go with what you've got you play Edmonds Green a lot to the end of the season then next season he's really ready to play 25 games minimum so I I, d- I wouldn't get a centre back but we've been pretty consistent on this Steve we have always thought and have always said Aaron's and maybe one other mm. now they've got the one other we still think they're they're likely going to get the Aaron's deal done if Newcastle don't decide to suddenly up and move the goalposts if they don't get that Aaron's deal done then I I reckon they'll go and get an Aaron's type player yeah but I th- I think that might still be it. I think barring some sort of major injury crisis in early January, because there's no value in January, is there, Steve? <laughs> Almost not. That, they, they've got Grant because his contract was up and they've been tracking him for a while. And because of the way the Irish League season runs, now's the time to do it. Aaron's was a deal in the summer that collapsed literally with minutes left in the transfer window to the point where we even think they've pretty much done all the social media stuff haven't they you know that's that's how close it was at one point but you try and go and buy a player in January and you the values are just like absolutely off the charts and I think realistically you you've got to look at I know we talk about the Covid season and Phil has been fairly universal in his message that now is the time to keep the powder dry really and I think I just can't see them getting anyone else in maybe alone I suppose somewhere but I think that's it I think that's them done yeah and and a lot of people be sort of disheartened with that but I just think I, I do see that there's merit in that and I think there's I, I know that people will be looking at the fact that they're they're five points off the playoffs and and saying well if you invest then you can have a a run at that and I do get that because you know we all want our teams to do well we all want our teams to to be going as high up the table as they possibly can but I think that if, if if this season has taught us anything it's kind of been that that players can improve the players you have at your disposal can improve I don't think the injury situation is is going to be as bad in the second half of the season as it has been in the first half for all the reasons we've talked about just with the fact that there's there's so many fewer midweek games I think there's as I say there's six between new year and the end of the season um when there's when it's been every single week since October yeah so I think that makes a, a big difference um, but I, I can understand why the club would, would say, no, we don't want to overcommit. The, the, the one that I do wonder about, which we talked about, is just whether they look at some of the out-of-contract players for the summer and wonder if they can move their plans forward for maybe one or two of them. But I think it would require exits from the club. I think you would need players to leave for, yeah. for that to happen. Yeah, well, that's the caveat. We, I think we said on the last pod as well, Steve, I think anybody anybody else is completely reliant on an out. So, you know, if, if I don't know, somebody comes in with money for a... Janino Bakuna is a name I've just picked at complete random there, Steve. Uh, then I think you let that deal happen, but you try and get the replacement in. And I, I think the way... Well, I don't know this for definite, but I, I would be absolutely staggered if Town haven't got a list of replacements for every single member of that squad because everybody at Huddersfield Town has a price. And if somebody came in with some massive offer in January, then Town should have three names to work through as as suitable replacements that's certainly how every other club does it but i i think this might be a bit of a weird transfer window i think there's going to be a lot more loans done than transfers i think a lot of premier league clubs held on to players because they didn't know how the season was going to pan out and their season gets a little bit easier for sort of the other than the the top six really um so i i suspect you'll see a bit of movement there but i just think with the covid and the way the finances are this is a transfer window to to sort of practice a bit of caution when you're in town's position which is realistically they they're not going to get themselves in too much trouble they they might have a bit of a sticky patch but i don't think it's going to go down to second to last game of the season for town to be safe this year i just, I just don't think that's going to happen no i mean that they're, they're sort of more than halfway there with mm. less than half the season gone so it really would take a, a massive collapse and i think we've seen that even with a, a very deep and, and sort of wide 
Drange and injury crisis that they're they're capable of staying in that mid table mix. I think there's there's a lot of teams in this division that they're better than, and I don't know. I I I can understand the argument that that they can go for it. There's an opportunity there, but I th- I don't know. Let, let me put this to you then, Steve. Right? Would being promoted to the Premier League this season actually do Huddersfield Town any good? I wonder if it would just be the same as last time, and they're yeah. not ready for it yet. That they need. I think, and uh, this is the thing. This is the thing that sort of gives me pause. Is just there's so many players out of contract in the summer who, let's face it, are going to be on pretty big money. Um, and I'm talking about you know uh, Alex Pritchard, Christopher Schindler. As much as everyone loves him, he's you know he's earning a fair wedge. Um, and you know, even Isaac and Benza, for as good as he's been this season, will be on on good money. Adama Diakabi. There's quite a few players who are Janino Bakuna who who have come from the Premier League and the players that they signed in the Premier League uh, or who signed new contracts when they're in the Premier League are inevitably going to be on more money than the players that they've signed when they're a championship club, whether that's since they've come back down or, or that have come through the academy. So there is an opportunity this summer to do that big rebuild and I'm not sure that... For all those reasons, the wage bill and the fact that you don't get you don't get value in January, generally speaking, I think that there is a lot to be said for for as you say, keeping the pounder dry and going for that big rebuild in the summer instead, and mate and saying, well, we've had a good year this year, we can have a genuine push next season and we'll have a stronger squad that we've assembled hopefully if they get the recruitment right in the summer we'll have a lot more money freed up by the fact that those players have gone hopefully the way it's going they'll be able to have fans back in the in the in attendance the following season as well 21-22 and that will uh, that will ease a bit of the well a lot of the the financial pressure it's a massive massive difference at this level and they can have a proper go at it next year and I think that if you spend a load of money in January or you you put people on contracts in January and you've committed to that spend you you don't want to be signing players that you weren't going to sign in the summer anyway because then you're just taking money out of your own pocket that you could have had for the summer when you're doing the big rebuild and you're going to get better value value out of it so you know it's yeah you don't want to spend 50 quid on you know same as, as as anyone else in their lives you don't want to spend 50 quid now on something that that you could get for a tenner in six mm. months time um unless you you really need it right now and i'm not sure that they do really need it right now and you look at their recruitment getting a danny grant and a rolando aaron's they're not Premier League players. Now, they might be in the future with under the right manager and in the right system and with some coaching, etc. But if Town were to go up this season, I don't think it's not a case of being ungrateful, but they would lose half the squad. They would have to then switch to Premier League recruitment, which is a very different level of recruitment from Championship recruitment, which is what all their work is clearly being built around at the moment. And they would be looking at a season where... I mean, I'm not saying Norwich wrote off last season, but they only really signed two players for the first team. They spent next to nothing, and their whole philosophy seemed to be, if we get this Premier League season out of the way, we can then have another really good season in the Championship. And Town would have to almost look at it like that, and I don't think that would do them any good. I think what Town really, really need is exactly what you've said, which is just to keep going, get till the end of the season with a core of the squad that they want there going forward who now completely understand their role know what playing in a Corbyn first 11 and in a Corbyn squad is all about and then supplementing that with with you know young hungry players the the thing about Danny Grant I've been told is that he is incredibly inconsistent but he's been he's almost been sort of he's almost been stifled by his own willingness to play anywhere across the front three rather than settling on a single role and really specializing and growing and learning so when he's on the right apparently he's been more of a traditional winger you know get to the byline get crosses in when he's left he's very very much much a Carl and Grant inverted winger come inside. He's also played as a striker, Steve, mm-hmm. through the middle a couple of times, and he's had a game as a number ten. So he's almost been like sort of held back by his own versatility, really. So yeah, I I think this summer is a big enough job ridiculous as it sounds without throwing in a potential promotion which would probably not serve them longer term at all what they want to do is just have we we said before the start of the season and my philosophy on this hasn't changed and i don't think yours has a relatively trouble free drama free mid-table finish 
would be absolutely fine this season. And then recruit properly over the summer, change the profile of that squad, and then adjust your ambitions. Yeah, I, I think I know that to some people it sound quite perverse to say we don't want to get promoted. I don't think that's what we're saying. I think it's no. just. And obviously, you know, if the club find that they're, if they had go on a great run and find that they're third going into April, they're not going to go, oh, hang on, we didn't want to get promoted yeah. this year, we'd better... They're not going to go and chuck a load of games. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, they would absolutely take the promotion, uh, and, and so would we. But it's, it's, what we're saying is, this isn't, it isn't now or never, is the thing. No, like, no it's, not at all. This isn't their only opportunity that they're going to have at the playoffs. This isn't a chuck everything at it now, because this is never going to come around again that is that's not what they're about and and that would be sort of the the worst thing they could do at this stage because we've had so many ups and downs over well mostly downs let's be honest but um if you go back a bit further so many ups and downs they they have needed and we've said it go back 18 months and you'll hear us on the podcast saying this um they needed to just settle things down get that stability and then grow back out of that and i think Mm. that that that's what they're trying to do and i think that that chucking a load of investment and and sort of changing the plans in january is is not going to be helpful towards that i think they're going to be as and that's what we're getting at is that i think that longer term they're going to be in a better position in the summer if they just stay the course now see the season through take the improvements improve the players that they're going to have and that and that includes get you know maybe you do keep Romani Edmonds Green in the side even when Richard Stearman is back because he's one of the ones who's out of contract in the summer and so is Christopher Schindler maybe you keep him in ahead of Schindler even um, yeah. and, and keep him through to the end of the season same with Ryan Schofield you get Josh Caroma get minutes in him yeah get minutes get, in him because go- particularly young defenders and young goalkeepers they th- th- there's a huge percentage of the game they only learn by playing mm-hmm. yeah and so I think that that needs to be the aim for the second half of the season there's others that you could that you could name there you know Matty Daly is another one who's uh, maybe even Kieran Phillips you know because Fraser Campbell also out of contract and he's 33 years old uh, it'll be 34 come the start of next season so maybe you give Kieran Phillips a go and I think that I don't think it's unambitious to for them to do that in the second half of this season uh, and I think when you've got those young players who need the chance as you say you, you're blocking the path if you, if you sign a player and I'm sort of aware as, as we're saying this that I sound like <laughs> I'm I'm being sort of a, a mouthpiece for the club, um, or that I'm just sort of repeating what what Phil Hodgkinson and Lee Bromby have said in that interview a couple of months ago. Um, but I think they've got the right idea, is the thing. Like I I think that that is the right approach, and then they're set up maybe next it's... year if things keep going well, they are set up to be a promotion challenger next year and have a really good season and, and do things and have a bunch of players who have 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 come through and had minutes and are in a better position to challenge next year rather than mm. having barely played this year and, and they end up in the same position again. I, I think I'm not a mouthpiece for the club. <laughs> you know, I've done a preview show, but that's it. Um, I think it is the right approach, but it's the right approach for right now. Yeah, That approach cannot stick for the next four years because it's going to become yes. the lack of ambition is going to become pretty, pretty stark and that model of recruitment of of buying low selling high and developing players like that's what everyone wants to do <laughs> that's what premier league clubs want to do never mind championship clubs and everybody is after the same players one of the reasons town were able to get danny grant is because a lot of his um a lot of the people who were after him were league one clubs and the league of ireland is is from speaking to say journalist friend of mine dennis hurley he will tell you the league of ireland is about league one lower league one standard so at best you you've got to develop them and and bring them on so but i the other argument i just want to slightly address on this subject as well is and i know this is one of mr cosmala from the other podcast favorite things to say is that it's not a great championship this year i don't think it is a great championship this year but it's got two outstanding sides in Norwich and Bournemouth, who realistically should be first and second, and I mean we've been con- we've been consistent about Norwich. If they don't go up this year, and realistically, if they don't win the league this year, they've actually not they've performed below their level. But then you've also got Watford, who I suspect if this if the new manager is any good whatsoever, are going to be there or thereabouts. You've got Brentford, who are still really good, really really strong sides. 
side. And then, yeah, I do think there are sort of a then a clutch of like 10 or 12 clubs of which town are in that are all much of a muchness and can, can beat each other. But every championship season is different. And I think this one is different because of the compressed nature of it, because of COVID and everything else. And I don't think it is as weak as people are making out. I, I think uh, town could go absolutely balls out in the transfer market in January and they're still not going to be as good as Watford, Bournemouth or Norwich over the course of a season. And that that realistically, the reason I'm using those three clubs is because they're probably going to be the bar at the end of the season that, that means... If two out of those three aren't promoted, then they will consider they've had a extremely poor season. And then, as I said, then I think you've got Brentford and arguably a couple of others who are going to be there or thereabouts. So I just don't think this is the season for Town to go right. Well, we've got ourselves into mid-table by Christmas, so we must now push on. It's like no, what you really want to do is just consolidate that position till the end of the season and then adjust over the summer. Yeah, magic. Great stuff. We've got Barnsley on Boxing Day a uh, short trip for me uh, which is is very nice thank you to the EFL for sorting that one out and then two home games after that well three home games after that including the FA Cup so that's uh, that's fallen very nicely um, but this is it's, it's too big well we'll talk about the Blackburn game next week I suppose but and Barnsley game, they've also been in pretty impressive form recently um, in fits and starts. They've, they've had some some quite eye-catching results. Um, could be an entertaining game, that one. Yeah, Boxing Day is always a bit mad. It's not an impossible to predict Boxing Day because odd, odd things happen. Certain players, certain players take it more seriously than others, shall we say. <laughs> um, I... I it's almost impossible to predict because, like you say, Barnsley are on a really good run. They also play some. Have you have you seen any of Barnsley this year? Not much, just highlights, really. They they're quite an attractive side to watch as well. It's it's going to be a sort of clash of similar styles, really. So, I think. Rob Green spoke about it before the the game the other week on the preview show. It comes down to the same thing. It depends which side is more clinical. Fantastic. Right, Dave, thanks for joining us. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas, listeners and Dave. Um, What have you got planned? Anything? I guess you're... uh... Same as everyone else, it'll be at home, won't it? I'm just going to take a load of ibuprofen for me back. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Go and see uh, the neighbours in the kitchen. Anything. Yeah, it w- no, we'd, everybody will be at home. But yes, happy Christmas to everyone listening. Thank you for all your feedback over the year. We've had some really, really nice comments yeah. um, over the, this entire year. So thank you for all of that. It is very much appreciated. It does. It's nice to know somebody somewhere is listening. <laughs> Big time. And finally just from us we've got something coming out as well in the works we've mentioned the town social and we've mentioned andy takes that chance if you are a listener to those podcasts or either of those podcasts then uh you want to keep an eye out for the super show that is coming very soon that is going to be a fundraiser for the town foundation i think the idea at the moment is that we're going to release the video of that sometime this week uh if you're very lucky you might even be able to get it from monday uh if you keep an eye on social media we'll have all the links for where you can where you can go to purchase that and i think we'll then put the a free version out on the on the podcast stream the the audio version uh sometime around the term of turn of the new year so we uh we've recorded that already we had a, a nice discussion a review of 2020 as a whole followed by a quiz uh, i'm not going to reveal which of us won that quiz um but uh yeah it's uh it's a very entertaining evening we had a, a great time recording it we think you'll have a great time listening to it as well so keep your eyes peeled to social media if you're interested in doing your bit for charity and purchasing that uh or if you uh as i say we, we will release it on the the free feed at some point as well and there is a number that you can text to make a donation if you prefer fantastic thanks again dave we will see you all next time have a good christmas everyone see you soon Boo to me, I'm boo to me, I tell ya, boo to me, I'm boo.